people tend to say to me, you know, well, how often should I be posting? And I'm kind of like, that's not really the right sort of mindset because it's more about engagement. And online, if enough people, when you say something, push out an article on your social media, if enough people like it, share it, comment it, reshare it, quote, retweet, whatever it may be, that really helps because Google can't ignore that social signal that when this person says something, that people listen almost. Welcome to Coaching in Focus. I'm Joseph Grech, your host. And in every episode, we are joined by a guest where we discuss a specific area within coaching practice to help you develop your skills and spark some curiosity in relation to the profession. everyone for joining me today. I am in the company of Sean Mullins. And Sean, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Jason. You're right. Good. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. And for those of you who don't know you, Sean is a strategic SEO consultant. He is based in Southampton and he's got a lot of experience in supporting individuals and businesses, organizations, um, developing their online presence. And I think, Sean, the, the reason why it's great to have you here is also because of your coaching background because I understand you've got qualifications in gymnastics coaching you've also done our own ICF diploma in integrative coaching and you're working towards your ACC as well yeah I'd have to say coaching is I guess a passion project for me so um like the gymnasts would always almost kind of take the mick that I was more excited for them than they were actually about themselves and I'm, I'm just quite a passionate person and I've always had an interest in psychology and aspects like that so I thought um, this coaching course would be really good for me so yeah. Great so let's match kind of your experience in coaching your SEO work and advertising and marketing and uh, and simplify it perhaps for some of our listeners. thinking about nowadays in 2021 how important it is for coaches to have an online presence an online presence is really important to have because it essentially is your shop window in the sense that it's, it's the first impression where you know people may find out about you your business and your services and you know like they say you only get one chance to make a first impression you know and unfortunately if you've got a site that you know maybe looks insecure a lot of clip art or not professional unfortunately however good you may be their perception may be altered mm. your website and especially if you use clip art <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> you know, um simple things like you know a lot of sites now are expected to load with https which is an ssl certificate and that's a security thing but if you know if someone's worried that you know they're dealing with an insecure site they may click off and not trust the business that they're dealing with so there's you know mm. there's considerations as well as the aesthetic of your website as well so um yeah I think because of that first impression where you know especially in the past year with COVID where we've not really had the chance to 
actually physically meet people as such, you know, because there are occasions where if you met someone first, your website can be almost an extension of your business card. Yeah. They've met you and then they check you out later. But, you know, in the past year or so, more than not, they may be seeing your website first. And that's what I consider to be really important because it's that first impression. Yeah, and that's a very, very, a very valid point, particularly for coaches who might be working remotely quite a lot or doing virtual coaching. Mm. They are first and foremost just found through their website rather than at a face-to-face event. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And what do you think is different perhaps between traditional marketing and this more digital way of marketing your services? You know, I started off in traditional marketing because I graduated in um, 2004. So we were still using a fax machine. And, you know, and I always, <laughs> so I always have a, you know, an appreciation for, you know, offline or traditional marketing methods. But unfortunately, just due to the fact that how much time all of us are online, on social media, on these platforms, it's where, you know, where a business is trying to capture people's attention and because we're online so much, that's an area that we kind of have to invest a lot of money and resource in to try and stand out from the crowd. So, I mean, with anything, I, you know, I totally believe in, you know, a holistic integrated approach. I don't think you can just solely concentrate on one. I mean, you know, I work in SEO, for example, but I would have to say still, even in this day, a lot of my business is um, through personal recommendation, for example. So I have a, a big focus on, you know, nurturing relationships and, you know, making sure I get like, you know, recommendations and reviews and things like that. Would you, I mean, you mentioned also money just now as well. Would you say that from, if we had to look at traditional marketing, because what I get in my head is that traditional marketing and doing adverts or, you know, adverts in newspapers or magazines can be quite costly Mm. in comparison to more digital marketing tools that we have out there. Is that a fair statement to make or what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's a fair statement, but I don't, I actually, I think the beauty of digital resides in the fact that it's measurable. And I think this is what's important because, you know, adverts, you know, magazines can be great from a brand awareness point of view, but, you know, they can be very tricky to measure because you just don't get that analytical insight that you do have on websites, especially if you've installed like Google Analytics and things like that. So I think, it, you know, and Google ads, you know, I've got clients and they're spending, you know, £30 plus per click. So that can get very, very costly in itself as well. Um, so you definitely don't want to waste your budget. But the analytical insight that you get from the online platforms is, you know, very, very valuable because it allows you to fine tune your campaigns and ensure that, you know, you're not hemorrhaging money where you don't need to. So I think that's the kind of the beauty of digital is that people kind of almost know that, you know, every pound that they're spending, they almost know what it's doing or not doing. So how do you know if you mentioned that you work in SEO, how do you know if SEO support um, could be right for your coaching business? I think this is a tricky one. Um, having dealt with coaches, the, the problem is with SEO is it, it's, it's not the short get game it's a more of a long-term investment and effort um and certainly to get on page one of google for a competitive search term doesn't happen overnight mm. so um there's always strategies that can um help so for example you know brand name seo some people there's an oversight with this one where 
you know, pe- I've had people say, well, I've had a new website, but it's not appearing for my name or my business name. And that's obviously a, a mistrick because that's, you know, creating a bad first impression if they don't quickly find you, you know, when they type in your name and business. But, you know, the problem is like, for example, um, you know, you can have an about us page and it's got, you know, two lines on it and it says about us. And then I say to the client, well, who's us? And they're like, well, it's me. I'm like, my business. I'm like, yeah, but who searches us? And they're like, oh, so I'm like, you know, it'd be helpful at the top if you said about maybe your name or your business name, and then actually have, um, you know, a few paragraphs going into your business, explain it a bit more using your personal name and your brand name. So you're creating more context so people can find you a bit more easily. Well, there seems to be a difference here. And I think it took me quite a bit of time to understand this because Mm. uh, in my head, I just, I just kind of confused SEO with AdWords and Google ads. Mm. I I thought they were one thing. So perhaps could you tell us, you know, for those of us who are listening, who are not as experienced in terms of understanding the terminology used, what's different? What is SEO and perhaps what is a Google ad? Okay, the way I would look at it is it's, you know, advertorial versus editorial in a magazine. People tend to know when they open a magazine, you know, what an advert is versus the editorial. And because of that, though, editorial tends to have more weighting, especially if they're praising your business. So similarly online, um, Google ads, they are marked, they're the four at the top. Mm-hmm. And the problem is on the mobile, when, you know, a lot of businesses traffic come from mobile, they actually take up quite a lot of the virtual real estate space. So right. it's quite a long scroll almost gets to the organic, despite the organic being the more credible results. And, you know, some of my friends will be like, oh, I just, those ones at the top, oh, I just scroll past those. But it depends on, you know, what you're looking for. T- typically, you know, maybe those who are, you know, a bit panicked or stressed at need, they go on their mobile, they're looking for a phone number, they see a call button, their loyalty to the non-editorial, the organic results is less. So, um, but someone doing their research, you know, choosing, for example, an executive coach or a life coach, whatever it may be, you know, arguably that's quite an important decision and that the person in question may want to do a bit more research. And if they're a bit more clued up with Google, they've been like, oh, those people at the top are paying for them. I don't trust that as much. So they may go to the organic results. So are we saying, just to clarify this, that the organic results are things that we are doing as coaches or kind of when we're working on our website to get the page to appear, get our website to appear on page one without paying anything. That's the more editorial organic type of ranking. And then the other side, the ones that are at the top that are highlighted as ads are the ones that we might pay for in order to appear at the top of that list. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So for example, you know, something like, you know, um, Joseph Breck, Life Coach London, you would almost expect your website to be there naturally because that's your name, that's your business, that's what your site's centred around yourself, that's what you own, like the links into the site, you know, whether it's the LinkedIn and things like that. Um, whereas if you were, you know, trying to attract more business and you're thinking, okay, well, um, Executive Coach London, I want to appear top of page one, to go, you could pay the Google Ads to feature you in the top four and then you would be paying per click to the website right because my website as such um, has been more targeted the ways that I perhaps 
written those articles, we are more targeted to life coaching. So if somebody's looking for an, an, an executive coach, it might not appear as high up on that list. So it gives it a bit of a boost in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So would you then say something that has come to mind as we're talking about these different terminologies, is it better for somebody who, or is it more cost effective if somebody works in a very specific niche in coaching to use SEO? So I don't know, there could be a cognitive behavioral coach or an acceptance commitment therapist that does coaching, which is a very specific niche. Mm. Yeah, when you're dealing with niches, um, it can be easier to optimize because this is not as competitive and the search terms a bit more refined. Um, a good example would be um, something like local SEO. So maybe not so much London, but see, I'm in Southampton and it would be easier for me to rank executive coach Southampton than obviously just executive coach. But it also depends where you are. But, you know, the fact that we're drilling down and local SEO tends to be more achievable than just a generic search term like executive coach. I mean, that's so fiercely competitive, but it's also very wide open as a term. But once you start drilling down more, it does become easier, especially with longer tail keywords, which is, you know, more than like two words in a search term. Is there an element of Google favoring local searches? So let's say if somebody searches executive coach without putting a, um, a place Southampton, would Google um, show executive coaches in Southampton more prominently uh, up that list or not? As long as they have um, your IP, they do tend to um, serve local results in the maps. Now, an important part of this, which a lot of people, well, some people do tend to um, have as an oversight is Google My Business. Maybe some people aren't aware of it, but it's very important to, from a local point of view, to get yourself registered on Google My Business and it can really help. It can even help with, you know, your own name, your business name to help rank for that as well, but also to be featured in the local results. And, you know, when you do get into the top three, that can make a big difference to website traffic. So Google My Business for um, most businesses, I do recommend that they get themselves on there because it can help with your brand name search as well as local searches. And certainly it's a, a plus point for organic SEO. That's a great tip there, Sean. So making sure that we are registered on Google My Business is a great step to be found more easily online. Is there anything else you think that we could do? Um, when it comes to organic SEO, being on trusted social platforms, so for example, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, these can help. But that comes with a caveat, I think, is because there's nothing more unprofessional than when you go to a website or go go to a a social platform and it's not been updated for two years you know my advice is if you're going to have it and you're going to utilize it regularly and give that good impression when someone does visit it then definitely it can help towards organic seo because it's it's a trusted platform and it helps um cement your brand name online basically what does it mean that Google will know if I've posted something on LinkedIn and will favor my website over a competitors who perhaps isn't as um, prolific in terms of their social media activities. I think it comes down to quite a few factors. So it'd be things like you um, owning your business brand name 
on the uh-huh. so like with a LinkedIn company page, for example, that would be in the URL. If there's engagement and activity that's being pumped through that, then that's a factor that Google can take into account. Mm. So, um, because people tend to say to me, you know, well, how often should I be posting? And I'm kind of like, that's not really the right sort of mindset because it's more about engagement. And online, if enough people, when you say something, push out an article on your social media, if enough people like it, share it, comment it, reshare it, quote, retweet, or whatever it may be, that really helps because Google can't ignore that social signal that when this person says something, that people listen almost. So that's mm. definitely a factor. So it's more about engagement so rather than you know tweeting for tweet's sake i would be more focused on the topics that you're you know focusing on and it's more about quality right really right so i guess um i noticed something that i had as well and as i was developing my business uh, that i had perhaps much more engagement when i was publishing things on my linkedin using my own um personal uh, username versus mm. the, the the company website yeah. um, and it is important to try then to push that balance so that your company LinkedIn page also gets that engagement as much as possible as well yeah I think people do respond to an individual over a know, brand yeah brand so you know Bill Gates versus Microsoft I think mm-hmm. people respond more to a, a you know a person and a face so the, the way to do it really that, but you know, if you package up your business and sell it and your company page has only got one follower and your personal LinkedIn has got 5,000, that's not as an attractive to package up your business and sell it. Yes. So the way to do it really is for you to be the main ambassador for the messages that go through your company page and then you share them with a comment. Mm. And then, so you, you know, exposing the page and hopefully encouraging more follows through your page, but you're the one championing that message. Right, so even kind of quoting your own business page um, and generate activity, the engagement that way is useful. Yeah, I would say definitely share it through your company page first and then reshare it through your personal profile. Mm-hmm. So do you think that social media um, helps coaches find new clients and develop their business further, like from an online point of view? I think so. I think it allows coaches to kind of almost give a window or a glimpse into the sort of person sort of coach you might be because you know you're able to whether it's you know Instagram people can really I think it's important um for coaches to show what kind of coach they are but then also for people to think actually I really resonate with this person and you know if you're scrolling through Instagram or Pinterest just visually you can kind of almost get a vibe Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe you're kind of getting a good idea of what their niche may be. So I think um, from that point, that and that may encourage someone to be like, yeah, this is definitely the right sort of coach that I'm looking for. Because obviously with coaching, there's there's so many different types from executive coaching, career coaching, life coaching, you know, and it can, there's just so many different mindset coaches. There's just so many different types. And, you know, it's important part is that person feels actually, yeah, this person can definitely help me. Right. And social media can give you that sort of like that little window, that little insight to, you know, who you are, how you coach, your style, your niche mm. and things like that, really. It seems to be part of the ecosystem that then you're creating, isn't it? Mm. Where somebody might find you through uh, an Instagram post, but it links in to your LinkedIn or your own website and, and they yeah. get to find out a bit more about you in an organic way. Yeah. And my thing is, it's just, you know, 
it's reinforcing that perception you know showing you know what kind of coach you are showing that you are professional and you know you do actively you know invest in your business because you know if you go to the Instagram and it's not been updated for a year that unfortunately looks like are they still working are they not I mean I'm terrible at this myself personally I'm terrible at marketing myself because I put all my efforts and energies in my um, clients but you know from a coach point of view it's very important to present yourself and to be seen as active yeah uh, one thing that has come to mind as we're talking about this, um, as you know, and you've done yourself, the diploma in coaching, mm. um, we, we support coach trainees, develop their own businesses uh, and gain the ICF accreditation um, in coaching. And one thing that one question that we get a lot towards the end of the program, when people start building their website is how do I get more traffic to my website? I've built the website. Um, but it's not being particularly visited by people. Are there any other ways, perhaps instead of doing Google ads, that we can try and get more traffic to our website? We mentioned social media. Yeah, I mean, you know, from a quick win point of view, there's um, Facebook advertising, for example. Mm, which, um, which is much cheaper as well. Much cheaper, yeah, than Google ads, but it's also a lot cheaper than um, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a value of LinkedIn advertising, for example, is um, that you can target by location and job title and things like that. So maybe someone who is an executive coach would consider um, LinkedIn advertising because of the sort of the demographic they're trying to hit or the, the, the ilk of person they're trying to hit. So, but obviously you've got to pay for it, but, you know, maybe their rates kind of justify that investment. Mm-hmm. So, but just general exposure, I think Facebook advertising can be quite effective and like we said, like a lot cheaper. So just give that initial boost of traffic to your website. And what about writing articles? You know, quite a lot of um, people start doing blogs and write. does that help? It certainly can help. I mean, it's good to keep your, from an organic SEO point of view, it's important to keep your website active. Um, but when it comes to article writing, you know, if, it, if the article is generally, you know, useful, helpful, insightful, um, topical, they, you know, and then you share it on LinkedIn, for example, and it gets buzzed about, that can definitely help increase the exposure. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully people do go back to um, the source, which would be the article. And that's where you get the, the, the website, sorry. And that's where you get the analytical insight and the brand yeah. control as well. Yeah. So this is the thing with social media is that, you know, some people just, you know, there's some oversights that happen, like, are you not putting the link high enough? in the post or not using hashtags and not out mentioning your company page or, you know, things like this that can really help. So, but, you know, for me, it's like use social media. I don't really like social media on a personal level, if I'm honest, but from a marketing and an organic SEO point of view, it can be very, very powerful. But I always try and get people back to the website. That's the aim from social media for me. So get them back to your website. Because right. then you can see from Google Analytics what's happening, how long are they on your website for, what pages are they visiting, what pages aren't they visiting, um, are they coming onto your website bouncing straight off? Is is there an issue with your site? So you just you know it gives you all this like data that you can like almost run a sort of diagnostic on your website and where you make improvements. What about mobile optimization? Is that is that important? I mean, I guess it is. Well, so the question really is, is how important is it? 
when you say mobile optimization, what do you mean? Sorry. So that the website also looks good on a mobile or um, on an iPad that has been changed so that it can be seen on different types of screens. Yeah. So, I mean, with analytics, it, it will tell you how many people um, visit you on what particular device. Right. And I've certainly got clients who, you know, are over 70, 80% where it's mobile device views. So from that point of view, it's, you know, it's very, very important. Um, so... It's vital, yeah. isn't it? Because you could, if you look at the data and you see that, you know, I think mm -hmm. a lot of us start creating our websites online, as in on a desktop computer or, you know, yeah. a big page. But if we've got 80% of our visitors looking at it from a tiny little device, what yeah. experience are they getting? And if we're not considering that, it could really damage us, I suppose. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's considerations of like, actually something that's really important to you, like a call to action, maybe right on the bottom of the page, which on a desktop is actually not too bad. But on a mobile, that could be easy missed. Because I think, you know, typically people can be a bit lazy with scrolling. So mm. we have something called above the fold and below the fold. And, you know, your key messaging ideally would be above the fold or as you know that call to action would be as high on the page as possible really and what's what's a fold is that like a, the first screen that you so see that would be like... yeah when you hit the screen so right. then below the fold is when you actually have to start, start scrolling. Scrolling to, to okay. go down so so it's important to think about you know your key messages and your call to actions and what you want them to do when they land on that page so yeah i mean if it's a page where they're booking a course obviously you're not going to want them to miss you know, the form, for example. Or, right. You know, but if it's an article, they typically probably just, you know, read the whole thing anyway, but. Right, right. I think when you talk about SEO, a lot of people think about Google, you know. Um, are they more or less the same? Are we only optimizing towards Google or is there something else that we're thinking about? I would say for the majority, for the most part, we are optimizing Google. However, you know, there are other search engines out there um, you know, Bing being one of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for my clients, I tend to, you can import Google My Business into um, Bing Places. There's mm. all the Bing Webmaster Tools. So it's something that I don't like to over, you know, it's something that I do like to include, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, but there are search engines out there. Um, there's one called DuckDuckGo, for example, and they've really niched into the um, emphasis on privacy. And that seems to be gaining more momentum. Mm. So, um, but you know, if you're hitting it well on Google, more than not, you'll be doing well on the other sections as well. But, you know, whatever you can do to factor them in, I try and, you know, just have a sort of try and cover as many bases as I can. Because, uh, you know, I don't think that there's no one clear cut guide to SEO out there. There's like apparently 200 aspects within the algorithm. And it's just like, well, how much can I do and how many brownie points can I get above my competition, really? Right. So, right. yeah. Right. And when right. you said about mobile, optimization i was getting a little bit confused because um there's an update recently that's come out to the google page experience update and that's more about the technical loading of your website on mobile devices so it's speed speed yeah, yeah. speed performance security those sorts best practices those sorts of things accessibility as well becoming uh -huh. more important so they're yeah they're very like key factors that google's focusing on mm. so mm. Yeah. and though they and if you're optimizing your site mobile devices in that way that can also help searches as well because searches can variate whether you're on a desktop or on a mobile device depending oh on really yeah they, they're not they're not standard they're not the same There's so you could apps. search for something on a mobile and give you certain results and on a desktop it could give you yeah you know even my own little site i can be number one on a desktop but i could be halfway down the page on a mobile device okay 
I just picture Google to being this kind of like big kind of mastermind, like controlling everything, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> knowing everything. Um, thank you, Sean. Um, one thing that we do on the podcast as well, this is really helpful. And I think it'd be super helpful for people who are developing their coaching business um, right now. Are there any tips that you could leave us with? Um, from a coaching point of view, um, you know, have a website which, you know, has a decent collection of pages with a fair amount of content on each page. Um, try and build in context. You know, if you have a niche, make sure you have a dedicated page about that. You know, with your About Us page, um, things like have your picture, have, you know, your experience, um, your style, things like that. Um, typically with like an about us page or your website in general it's like you know we're trying to say to people you know well who are you what do you do where are you what are your services and why choose you and that really should be evident from when you are on your website um aspects like you know have google my business google analytics google search um search console these are free tools that google offers to help with your website um and then I think, you know, when it comes to social media profiles, I mean, if you're an executive coach, the world of LinkedIn can be very powerful and, you know, building your connections, having recommendations on there. And yeah, the same for, you know, Facebook and Instagram, just making sure that you're presenting yourself in a professional way and that you look to be active and, you know, offering useful information Sounds great. And also, instead of about us, I'm thinking about Joseph or about Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As you mentioned earlier. Um, and Sean, um, how can people get in touch with you? If I know we work, we, you know, we've got a lot of coach trainees who listen to our website. If they want to find out a little bit more or perhaps need a bit of support from an SEO point of view, how can they find you? Um, well, my website is www.seostrategy.co.uk. Um I'm on LinkedIn, Sean Mullins. Um, I'm on Twitter, Sean W. Mullins. So they're the main ones, really. And we'll also, of course, tag um, all of these uh, directly in the comments and the uh, description of the podcast episode as well. So right. thank you, Sean. It's been lovely speaking to you over the last half an hour or so. Oh, and, and thank you for all these wonderful tips. I think you made it a lot more manageable for new coaches um, or coaches, rather to understand this magical world of SEO and websites and Google. You have been listening to Coaching in Focus, the podcast by Become Coaching and Training. And if you have enjoyed today's episode, we would absolutely love it if you could leave a review wherever you found this podcast. We're available on all the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So until I see you next time, take care.